0: Well Welcome. Tonight we are doing something different. So you probably have your uh, matzah and you have your applesauce, what the Jews call apple set, as part of the Seder service, as well as your horseradish sauce. So hold on to that. We're going to use that in just a few moments. We're going to worship tonight at the back end of the service. We're going to teach through at the beginning. We're going to celebrate what's known as a Seder service, because in Mark chapter 14 today, Jesus is going to participate in a Seder service, a Passover service with his disciples So instead of just teaching the passage, we're going to actually interact with the passage tonight. Now, to do that, we're going to set the stage. Because Passover ultimately pointed back to the great deliverance from Egypt. So we're going to show a video clip to get us in the feeling for what happened back in Egypt, what the Passover was, what it meant, and the deep somberness of it. So some of the aspects of this video are a little graphic, only because we're reminded that God killed the firstborn of the Egyptians, so that he could deliver the people from all the different gods of Egypt. So it's about four minutes long. It's going to set the text and the context for what Passover is. But I do want you to know ahead of time, when we get to the place of seeing you know, Egyptian parents holding their children, we're going to be reminded of just how somber and just the high cost of freedom that it took. So let's watch together. Let's begin us some prayer. And then let's uh, jump into the Seder service tonight. Father, we are so thankful for your deliverance. We are so thankful that we didn't have to pay the cost for our own sins and our own brokenness, but instead it was paid by your son. And I ask tonight that you will turn the jewel of salvation in a direction we've never seen before, that we will be able to more deeply step into your story and understand that what you did then is what you're doing now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Passover was one of the three feasts. ...that were required in the Old Testament for the Jewish people to go to. The synagogue came later and you would have church every day, every week. But imagine when God first laid out the law, you only had to attend church three times a year. It was Passover, it was Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. These were times that you would interact and come before God. And Tonight we're going to talk about Passover. It was a ceremony that dated back to Moses instituting it back in the book of Exodus... It was a time of somberness that they remembered that they were now free. But their freedom came at great cost. At great cost to the Egyptians as God had to break the will of a hardened heart of Pharaoh. And for those who participated in the Passover feast, which were all the Jews, Jesus and his disciples as well, for, for centuries, for generations, Passover was a time to look over your lambs. Passover required you to look over your lambs, in fact. You would, in preparing for the Passover, you'd say Passover means we need to go and look over our lambs. So you would go out and your lambs represented your feast. It represented your financial. Uh, Your lambs were your currency. They were your business. A small lamb would produce more lambs, which would be food, which would be your your nourishment, which would be your wool. And so when Passover came, you would have to go out and walk into the field. Let me show you a picture on the next slide of a shepherd walking out into the field. Here he is looking over his lambs, and you were going and looking for a perfect lamb, blemish-free. So not only were you examining your checkbook, examining your fields and your company, you're trying to find your very best. Something without blemish, something that was male, and something that was innocent that would pay for your sins. It's amazing that God put this in place, that we would constantly go back and remember that God was going to give us his best in the Passover by delivering us from judgment. And therefore, our response to him was to give him our best. Reminds me a little bit when, uh, I guess about 15 years ago, I remember Beth and I were really challenged by God to start giving a little more financially. So we were given about 2% of our income and we felt like God was calling us to move it up to 10%. It was about the same time we were in our first house, we were going to do a, a remodel of our bathroom. <laughs> and I had that struggle, and was nothing wrong with remodeling your bathroom, but I really felt like God was calling me at that point to look over my lambs. And God was saying, hey, are you going to trust me for the future? Are you going to listen to my voice speaking to you? Are you going to examine your heart, examine your checkbook, and put me first in everything you do? And I remember looking back on that. Wow, that was such a challenge. The amount of the remodel and the amount we're going to give was almost the same number. Now, the Seder service is what we now know as communion. My father took communion very seriously when I was in sixth grade. He told me that communion was a time to look over your relationships. Do you need to apologize to anyone? Passover or, or the communion time was a time to look over your heart. Confess any unconfessed sin before God. It was a time of examining your heart, as Paul would say, as you come to the Lord's table. Now, this all began back in Exodus. And in Exodus, we are told that they were supposed to find a lamb. As they looked over their lamb, they found their very best before God. And on the tenth day of the month, each man was to take a lamb for his family. And that animal, on the tenth day, would be brought into your house. And you would keep it there as your family pet until the fourteenth day of the month. Now, why would God have you do this? Because it's one thing to have lambs out in the field, but when you bring a lamb home where you're playing with it in your house with your kids for four days, it becomes a family pet. And when you have to kill your family pet, and you have to tell your kids that this pet lamb has to die because of what we've done, our self-centeredness, our unkindness, our ego, it felt very real, it felt very personal. And as you picked up this perfect lamb and brought it before God, the passage continues and says part of the, the, the Passover service is that God commanded them to take the blood from this animal and to put it up on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the house. And they were commanded to eat bitter herbs. Isn't That a weird thing. As you celebrate, you're commanded to eat bitter herbs and you're commanded to have bread without yeast. Don't take time to wait for it to rise because God's going to deliver you so quickly. And when you go to eat it, be, be ready to go. Have your staff, have your coat. You're ready to leave. Because that's how quickly the deliverance is going to occur. Your cloak is tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hands. Now, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both the people and animals. I'll bring both judgment on the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. But if you trust the blood... That it will deliver you what I've told you. And it will be a sign for you on the houses. And when I see the blood, my judgment, instead of falling upon you for what you've done wrong, it will pass over you. Which is where we get Passover. And Passover, or the Seder, is set up using four cups. And we'll walk through the four cups here together. The first cup is the cup of salvation. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus comes to celebrate this festival with his disciples it is the first day of unleavened bread. And the reason they had unleavened bread is a reminder of how quickly they had to be prepared for God's deliverance. Back from the time of Moses. When they killed the Passover lamb, there's the Passover again, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? He said to the disciples, said, I want you to go into the city, prepare for the Passover. Now, the passage continues and it mentions Passover two more times. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There, make ready for us. So his disciples went out, came into the city and found it just as he said to them. And they prepared the Passover. The first cup is the cup of salvation or sanctification. Some call it the idea that God set his people apart uniquely for his purpose, to worship him, to proclaim to a watching world that he was the one true God. The first cup is a cup of salvation, the promise and reminder of God's deliverance. The story, again, is that God told Moses to go and tell the people that he heard their cries for 400 years. He'd listened to their prayers and that he would deliver them. The Passover Seder plate, we're doing an abbreviated format, but it has a piece of barley. I'm sorry, a piece of a parsley. There'll be a, a bone for the lamb that, that we would eat as part of the meal. Horseradish sauce, being the bitter herb, and some apple carissette, which is applesauce mixed with nuts and mixed with wine, as a reminder of the mortar that was prepared, as well as an egg and a few other things we're not going to use tonight. As part of the first cup, you would take three pieces of matzah. The father the son and the Holy Spirit, the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When God revealed himself, he revealed himself as three in one, three persons in one. And yet we would remove the middle one from the other two as part of the Seder service. And you would take the middle one. And just as the son was removed from the Trinity, so too, the matzah is removed from the other two and it is broken. And the reason that the son had to be broken for us to find deliverance. You then take a napkin and you wrap what's now known as the afikomen, the piece of matzah that is taken from the other two. It must be broken. It must be covered. Now it must be hidden for a time. As part of the celebration at a house, you would ask someone to come and take it. They even have you come take it. You go hide that in the back you're doing this at your house or what jesus did his disciples it would be hidden and if there were children or grandchildren present after the meal their job would be like hide and seek to go and find it but we know jesus is the afikoman he is the one that was separated from the trinity he was broken and he too is buried and hidden for a time the next part of the first cup was a reminder that at great cost our salvation came. We were saved or delivered because of a great cost from God. Evan would then just take a piece of the matzah. You take one of the pieces you have. In a moment, we're going to dip it. Before we do, I have some salt water here. The Salt water is a reminder of tears. For 400 years, the people called out for bondage. They called out for God's deliverance. They called out for God's salvation. And it took not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, but ten terrible plagues before the Pharaoh. agreed to release them. And the reason the water is salt water is to remind us of the tears of 400 years of people crying out for God's deliverance. 400 years, God, do you hear us? Do you see our pain? Do you see our needs? Then we take a piece of the matzah, and Moses told us we're commanded to eat bitter herbs. We dip the matzah into the horseradish sauce. As we partake of it, and I hate horseradish sauce, so this metaphor works great for me. For those of you who like it, the metaphor will be lost. God said, this is what bondage tastes like. This is what sin tastes like. Let's partake of it together. Oh God, we thank you that you are the God that commanded us to eat bitter herbs. Oh, that taste in your mouth, for God, this is the taste of unkindness. This is the taste of pride. It's the taste of greed. It's the taste of self-centeredness. When we are tempted to go back into a, a pattern that God has released us from, God says, do not want to go back to Egypt. Remember what it tastes like to be in bondage. And Now you can break off or use another piece of matzah. Again, dip it into the bitter herb. And on top of the bitter herb, mix it with the applesauce. In my case, I mixed the apple chloracet as a combination of apples and nuts and wine. This mixture was to represent the mortar. The bricks that were prepared during that time. And that the amazing thing about that 400 years of bondage and bitterness is that through that the sweetness of God's deliverance came. That God really does work all things together for good. That whatever bitterness, whatever challenges, whatever difficulty you're in, that God can take you out of bitterness and you can experience the sweetness of mercy. The sweetness of His compassion. The sweetness of a God who delivers us no matter what we've been in bondage to. Let's partake. God, thank you that you restore for the years the locusts of Eden. Thank you that you work all things together for good. Many of us here tonight have returned to some patterns of bitterness and sin. And we're filled with shame and guilt. We have forgotten that you can deliver us. We have forgotten that you are at your best. When we are in bondage and you demonstrate your power. Thank you for the beautiful deliverance that comes through Jesus and came to Moses and those in bondage to Egypt. Amen. The team is going to come and pick up um, the plates. If you want to pass those to the outside, they're going to pick those up as we continue the service. At this point in the service, the youngest person there would be asked to read four questions. Probably for the service with the disciples, it was John. He was the youngest. And here are the four questions that would be asked. You want to come on up? The four questions were to inspire conversations around the table to remind us of what happened and what's unique about this night. Do you want to read the first question, it's matzah and Passover. Why do we eat only matzah on Passover and not all kinds of breads and crackers like other nights? Okay, second question. Why do we eat bitter herbs at our cellar? Seder, yeah. Seder. At our Seder, why do we dip parsley in salt water and the bitter herbs in applesauce? Why do we... Recline. Recline what's eating tonight? while eating tonight. Excellent, thanks. You can grab a seat. So we've already covered three of the questions, haven't we? The bitter herbs represents bondage. The apple corset represents God being able to bring deliverance from bondage. Why do we dip the parsley into the salt water to remember that God sees our tears? In fact, as Job says, God keeps our tears in a vial. He remembers them. Do not think that your prayers have gone unheard or unseen. From there, we move to the second cup. The second is the cup of judgment. Preparing for the second cup, the cup of judgment, we're going to enter back into the passage in Mark. We'll begin by washing our hands before going to this portion. And again, there would be a blessing over the cup. Father, we thank you that this cup of your judgment was poured out on the Egyptians and not upon us because of what happened with that perfect lamb. We thank you that your judgment was poured out upon the cross instead of us because of the ultimate lamb that was Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. We then partake of the second cup. The cup of judgment that we did not have to drink because of the Lamb and because of Jesus. Let me jump back into the passage. And Mark, I want you to notice what's happening. Because we have not experienced the judgment of God, we are tasting of the greatest forgiveness in history. See, that evening, he came with the twelve. And now as they sat and ate the Passover meal... Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And that phrase was a quote from the Old Testament. It's like quoting a movie. Everyone immediately would have known he's referencing David and Asisotho, which is back in 2 Samuel. David was speaking of a best friend who had betrayed him when he used the phrase, one of you who eats with me. That's why the scar was so deep. The stab in the back was so painful. It was one who eats with me that betrayed me. And Jesus uses this phrase to say, one who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and said to him, is it I? Is it I? He answered, said to them, it is the one who dips with me in the dish. And we read that passage and go, oh, they're dipping together. Just as we just did, Jesus picked a piece of matzah he dipped it into the bitter herb. And because he was sharing with the person next to him, at the same time they went to dip into the bitter herb representing bondage, Judas dipped in with him. And as they dipped into the bitterness of the bitter herb and the slavery, it's then he whispered to Judas, it is the one who dips with me into the bondage of the bitter herb that will betray me. And as Judas took it back up to his mouth and began to eat and consume of it, he could taste what for generations had said, this is what betrayal tastes like to God. This is why God's judgment is coming. As he sat up, maybe eating the bitter herbs, still having that taste in his mouth, Jesus may have whispered over to him and given him one more word. and said this in the passage. He says, the son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. This is part of the plan. This Passover feast pointed to what I would do. We are celebrating. Here's the map of why I came. But woe to him who eats of the bitter herb, who hardens his heart. For the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Think of the consequences of what you're doing, Judas. And as you participate in the somberness of the Seder service... The Seder, the Passover, was like Jewish Passover. It was like Jewish Thanksgiving. It was a Thanksgiving for what God had done in the past, which leads us up to communion. So I'm going to have the host team come forward, and they're going to pass out the cup and pass out the bread. But I hope that as you hold that cup and bread and we partake together, you'll see how it fits into the overall story of what God's doing here in the Seder service. Because at this point, we move from the cup of salvation to the cup of judgment Jesus will call the cup of redemption. Now remember, for years, centuries, people have had cups. And the cup of redemption is always the third cup. But at this point, we would be eating our, our meal together. We'd be having roast lamb. We'd be participating. We'd be thanking. Like a giant Thanksgiving dinner, we'd be saying, Wow, look at the food tonight. Oh, we're so thankful for what God did so many years ago by delivering us from bondage. And yet, you would actually not be ready to go out the door to eat this meal. You wouldn't even be seated like normal for this meal. You were told to recline for this meal. You might put a pillow down. And you were resting and and laying down on the pillow as you were eating. Because you were not in a rush. God had already delivered us. We weren't in Egypt anymore. We weren't in bondage anymore. The reason you're told to recline at this meal is to remember that when you were in bondage, you could never recline. It was whips and bricks all the time. But because of what God did for us, because of the lamb that died for us, we can now operate from a place of peace and rest. Because of what he did on the third cup. You'd finish the meal together and you'd turn to all the kids and grandkids and say, All right, hide and seek time. Go find the afikomen." And they might be running upstairs or downstairs, running around the house. And eventually one of them would come and they would bring the afikomen. You want to go get that for us? They would say, I found it! I found it! And would gather together because the afikomen would be used for dessert. As you ate and participated in the dessert of that which had been broken taken from the other two, hidden for a time, would be returned. And now you would pass not just any bread, but everyone at the table would actually share of the afikomen. This is what would be broken. Remember what Isaiah 53 says of the Messiah? And look at this as, as you read it, or as I read it. He was wounded. You see the bruises on the matzah? He was wounded for our transgressions. Another way of saying it is he's pierced for our transgressions. Look at the piercings. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, see the stripes? By his stripes, we are healed. See, as Christians, we look at the Passover and realize it's not just the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was the Trinity, And one part of the Trinity was removed. He was broken at the cross. He was hidden away and wrapped for a time in the grave. But he was returned. And now Jesus would take the Aphekomen. He would break off a piece. He would pass it around. And each person would be holding on to the Aphekomen. And Jesus will say in the next part of the passage, This is my body. But, before they partake, he would bless it. And as they were eating the Passover meal, Jesus took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. Now, what is the it he broke? The afikoman. He said, this, everyone take. Everyone take a piece. I give it to you. Eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this. In remembrance of me, let us partake. Jesus then came to the third cup, known as the cup of redemption. And notice what he says in the passage? As they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup. Not the cup of salvation. Not the cup of judgment. He'll drink that on our behalf on the cross. He takes the cup of redemption. That you are redeemed. You are bought out of slavery. You are bought out of bondage. You are bought. You are delivered. And he says, this is the new covenant of my blood. This, the cup of redemption, was all about me. And when he had given thanks. And that phrase, given thanks, is a Greek word, eucharistos. Which is where we at the idea of the Eucharist? The reason we're participating in the Eucharist is it is the third cup of the Passover. It is the cup of redemption. And he said, this is my blood. The blood of a new covenant that breaks you free from the old covenant of bondage and trying working hard and getting, your, getting your, your acceptance before God based on what you do. But now you get your acceptance based on what I have done. So as you drink of this cup, the cup of redemption, let's be reminded that I was the lamb that was pierced for you, I was the cup. I will drink the cup for you. I am the source of your salvation. I am the Afik broken. I will be hidden away for a time, but I will return. Do this, and remember to me. Let us partake. I demand to come up at this point, because after the meal, and after you partook of the cups, there was often a time of hellel, a time of singing, a time of worship. You would worship, oh, what a great God we serve. Oh, what he's done for us. Oh, what he did for us. Oh, that we can sit and recline. Oh, that we can enjoy this festivities of being in our own land, in our own place, that we're free. Let us, Eucharistas, let us give thanks to our God for all he has done. And then they would participate in a song. We'll do it as a responsive reading, where they would say, you know, if God had just done this, it would have been enough. But he did more than that. And the leader would lead you in, what about this? And the audience would respond or sing back, Dayenu, It would have been enough. Dianu. It would have been enough. It was a way of reminding yourself of every blessing, every Thanksgiving, every moment God had given to you. So I want to be the leader. I want to lead in what God has done. And then you can respond. I'll lead you with, Dayenu, It would have been enough. I'll begin. If he had brought us out of Egypt, Daenu, it would have been enough. If he had executed judges, justice against the Egyptians, Daenu, it would have been enough. If he had executed justice against their gods, Daenu, it would have been enough. If he'd only slain their firstborn, Daenu. It would have been enough. enough. If he had given to us as we were leaving Egypt, the Egyptians wealth. Dainu. It would have been enough. You are enough, you are more than enough. If he had crossed us through the Red Sea and then destroyed our enemies right behind us. Dianu, it would have been enough. enough. He would have given us manna and food to eat in the desert. Dianu, it would have been enough. And often this would go on as people sang and praised and thanked God for all of his blessings and all of his reminders. As the time of worship maybe came to a pause, Jesus came to the fourth cup, the cup of renewal, the cup of release. He said, surely I say to you that I'm not going to drink this cup. This is the cup that I've come this time to deliver you from bondage, but I will return again. And I will come and I will fix this broken world. There'll be no more cancer and no more pain and no more betrayal But I'm not going to drink that yet because I haven't done that yet. This is the cup of renewal that I will make all things new. I will make the world new. I will make the earth new. But I will not drink of this cup until the day that we drink it in the kingdom of God together. See, Passover. Passover was a time to look over your lamps. And tonight as we continue our spirit of Hillel and worship... Do you have a relationship you need to look over that you need to reconcile? In light of what he's forgiven you for, shouldn't you forgive in return? Do you need to look over your assets, your checkbook? Just as they would wander through their lambs and assess their company, assess what was making them profit and say, I'm tempted to give God an old lamb. I'm tempted to give God a crummy lamb, but not my best. The Passover, as Jesus tells us, everything pointed to him. Paul writes to us in Corinthians and says that Jesus Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, he's talking to Christians. Let us keep the feast. Not with old leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Of being so thankful for everything God has done. He goes on and says, By the sincerity of your love, let's remember by the grace of God that Jesus delivered us. That he who was rich became poor. That through his poverty we would be rich in Christ. The story of Passover is the story of salvation. It's the story of perfect love. It's the story of the ultimate hero. It's the story of perfect bondage breaker. It's the story of how God put his love on the line that we would be free and stay free. Diana.